Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. And tonight, I'm pleased to have as my guest, Matt Sturm. Matt is a Tantra teacher and a yoga teacher based in San Francisco. He co-founded Ritual Tantra and leads workshops and in-depth trainings on sacred sexuality. He's also the co-founder of Sex Crafting, a conscious sexuality community for queer men. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, Sumati. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So glad to have you. So um, why don't we start by um, you telling us a little bit about how you became a Tantra teacher, your personal journey into Tantra, and how you started teaching classes. Sure. It, is, it has been quite an amazing journey for me. I first discovered this work about four years ago now. I was traveling and volunteering around Asia, for a year with my partner at the time. And um, we had some friends who were traveling doing a similar trip, and they said, hey, we're going to go take this Tantra week-long training. Do you want to join us? And we're like, sure. had no idea what I was getting into. And at that time, I was in a really tough space in my relationship. Um, We were really not connecting sexually. Um, I wasn't lasting long enough. She wasn't feeling satisfied. There was all this pressure that we were putting on to make it feel more satisfying or about how we needed it to be. And to the point where we thought we were going to break up. And so then we took this Tantra course and all of a sudden here are these amazing tools for us to be in sexual connection in a way that was totally different than what we were doing. We had wanted to make things better, but we didn't know how to fix it. And all of a sudden we had access to this framework where people have been thinking about this for literally hundreds of years. So Mm -hmm. it totally changed the way we were making love and our connection. And the other amazing piece is that it, for me, I had always felt that sex is sacred, that there's deeper meaning and connection through sex. And this was, again, a framework for me to plug into to understand how sex could be sacred how it could be held that way. And so it just deeply mm-hmm. resonated with me and sent me on to this path. Cool. So, and so uh, then you came back to you came back from Asia and you started practicing more and then how did you actually become a teacher? Yeah, so when I came back to San Francisco, I was super excited to find my Tantra community here in the Bay Area. You know, the Bay Area has so much diversity. And um, I went to a couple of different workshops on Tantra, and none of them were exactly like the flavor or the speed that I was really looking for. And so selfishly, I wanted to have a community of people so that I could stay engaged with my Tantra practice. And so I started leading workshops just for my friends um, because it was something that I was passionate about. And over time, over the last two and a half years, it has grown and grown, and we've gotten more people interested, and my offerings have grown, and I've done more training to the point where now this is what I do full-time for a living. That's really cool. So you, you couldn't find quite the right community for you, so you just started small with your friends, and it grew to be your your main livelihood now, huh? Yeah, it's really amazing. And the beautiful part for me is, like, in that time, I just stayed connected with what I was really excited to share about, what was really part of my path and what was true for me, and I wasn't worried about trying to make it a big thing or turn it into a business or anything like that. 
And just mm-hmm. like having that mindset has been so invaluable. Mm, beautiful. I love that. It's very inspiring because so many of us are trying to make money and we have to remember to stay connected with our true passion and what we really have to offer in the world. So thank you for being a role model for that. Mm, you're welcome. <laughs> so what does Tantra mean to you? I know a lot of people don't really quite understand the word or they might think about, oh, you can have sex for a long time or think about sting or somebody like that. So how would you define it? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, Tantra means a lot of different things to different people. Um, it's got a lot of different associations connected with the word. So for me, Tantra is a way of looking at life, um, which says we want to embrace everything that life has to offer. We want to use everything that life has to offer as a pathway to becoming more of who we really are. So to put that a little bit more concretely, our bodies are good. We want to celebrate these bodies. Our pleasure is good. We want to celebrate our pleasure. And we want to be open to our full range of experience, both the good and the bad and the ugly and everything in between. And getting more into what's really here and letting go of our limited views and expectations about what we want or how we think things should be is the core of the Tantra message that I have to share. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That like everything is sacred. Yeah. Everything is sacred. Everything is a pathway to our spiritual growth and um, realization. Mm-hmm. I always thought that Tantra came out of a culture of sexual repression so that it was like, no, we're not going to be celibate. We're not gonna, I mean, I understand people can practice Tantra and be celibate, but I thought that it came out of kind of a pushback from that sex was bad and sex wasn't spiritual. And I'm wondering if we lived in a culture where sex was, um, you know, universally accepted and celebrated if we would need something like Tantra. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean. So historically, you know, dating back to the 5th century in India, Tantra did two revolutionary things. Number one, it said spirituality is not from the neck up. It's not just our minds and it's not a cognitive thing. Spirituality is living life, you know, in the mud and having the lotus too, and it's celebrating mm-hmm. our sexuality. The other amazing thing that Tantra did is it said spirituality is for everybody. You don't have to be a monk in a cave. Um, you don't have to just be a man. It is for literally all of the people, including in India at the time, the untouchables. They said, we don't care who you are. Come be a part of this experience. Mm. Um, and there are you know, aspects of that which are interwoven into our culture here in the West today, Um, sex being repressed, sex being seen as something that's naughty or secret that we can't talk about. Um, And I completely agree with you. If we were able as a culture to celebrate ourselves as sexual beings and be open about sex as a really positive, beautiful thing in our life, then Tantra would just kind of be obvious. It wouldn't have to be mm-hmm. a thing that you'd have to go learn about. Right. Um, it makes me think of that book, Sex at Dawn. Have you read that book? Mm, I'm familiar with that book. Yes, I like that book. So it was yeah, kind of anticlimactic. The, the ending of it was kind of anticlimactic for me because when, he got, when I got to the end of the book, he was talking about um, how... You know, the book is about our ancestors and the the Paleolithic era and how people lived in communities and they shared everything, including their sexuality. Their sexuality wasn't this separate thing that needed to be done behind closed doors. It was just like we eat together, we make love together, we build fires together, we do everything together um, as -hmm. a community. And so when I got to the end of the book, it was like, you know, sex wasn't a big deal to them. It was 
um, you know, I'm sure there was pleasure involved, but it wasn't this big deal like it is now. And, and it kind of made me feel like sort of sad at the end. <laughs> didn't come. I, I, sometimes I kind of like that we, that sex is naughty. Do you know what I mean? Because then we have like a kink comes out of, Oh, you're not allowed to do that. So let's mm-hmm. do it. You know? <laughs> so I'm not sure I would want to, not have anything to push against, or maybe that's just my orientation growing up in a culture of sexual repression. I don't know. <laughs> um, but how do, how do, how do you keep things hot when there's total hundred percent acceptance of all sexuality? I guess that's my question. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful question. So <laughs> first off, I feel a little bit of that grief that you feel around sex, not being open and accepted and I totally get what you're saying about how the naughtiness or the shadow parts of it bring out that desire and that spark. Um, Desire is such a fascinating thing. Um, One of my favorite quotes, and I'm not sure I can remember who I attribute it to, but it's that desire needs a chasm to cross. If you're too much the same with your partner, and this is what happens in like long-term relationships where you live together and you see each other all the time is you become very same and you lose that spark, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're going into those places of shadow and kink, there's that otherness that's there that creates desire. Mm -hmm. Another framework that we use um, and one that's been very impactful for me is um, the roles of Shiva and Shakti. So creating a polarity in your energy, like a two ends mm-hmm. of a magnet. Mm-hmm. And in Tantra, Shiva and Shakti is the divine masculine and the divine feminine, but they come at it from a slightly different angle than the way that we think about it in uh, Western culture. So Shiva is like witnessing, is present, is grounded. Shiva is holding the space. And Shakti is all of manifest form. Shakti is powerful and beautiful and dancing and bringing that energy and life and vitality. Shakti loves to be witnessed and adored by Shiva. And Shakti also surrenders into the presence of Shiva. And, you know, when it doesn't matter what sex you have, it doesn't matter what gender orientation you have, anything like that, when two people come together and they hold this polarity, one person takes on the role of Shiva and the other person takes on the role of Shakti, it creates this desire that's there and it's ever-renewing. And the more that you feel into it with a partner and practice it, the stronger that desire gets. Mm-hmm. So you can pre- so couples in long-term relationships whose maybe their passions have died down over time, they can practice this and reignite that spark? Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to share with couples is um, creating that polarity of energy. Um, Another thing that kills desire in relationships, the two biggest killers are routine and pressure, like having sex because you're supposed to have it and having it feel like it needs to be a certain way. If you can try something new and shake things up and get out of what those expectations are around sex, then it's fresh and alive and stays new and exciting for couples in partnership. I love that. The two things that kill sex are routine and pressure. That's brilliant. That's a great quote. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome to take that one and share that with as many people as you want. Yes, Um, and I will credit you for it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, pressure can work on many different levels, and it can be very subtle. So there's pressure to satisfy your partner. There is pressure to be satisfied, to feel like I need to get off, or I need to have an orgasm, or I need to be met in a certain way. Um, There can be pressure in terms of, like, have we done it enough times this week? Are we meeting what mm-hmm. I think like healthy sex life should be? Um, 
Yeah, and all of it is really ego-driven. It's about expectations, like what we think it should be. And so getting mm-hmm. out of our heads around sex and just opening up and not knowing where it's going to go or what it's going to be like is really like a beautiful practice to keep sex fresh. Awesome. In your ritual Tantra classes, what do you teach that's unique and different? Mm. So the foundation of how we approach this is, number one, we create a really safe container where everybody is respectful. We model how to share conversations and how to approach one another with the reverence and dignity that we really deserve. And when people feel safe in a space with other people around, then your true authentic self can really start to blossom and open up. And so that's the next Mm -hmm. step that we take people on in this journey is getting in touch with what are our desires and having it be okay to have desires and then giving people a framework where it's safe and respectful to share those desires with each other. So often um, women haven't been respected, haven't felt safe, and so they just shut down their desires. And so often men, there are men who just don't understand how to be respectful and sharing their desires in a way that's actually safe and inviting. And then there are men, Mm -hmm. and this has been part of my journey, who see other guys out there who are a little bit more aggressive. And I have said in my past, I don't want to be like that guy. I don't want to be making anybody feel uncomfortable or unsafe. And so I've shut down my own natural desires and expression. And Mm -hmm. so we give people just an opportunity to um, create a new framework about how to be in our desires in a way that's actually fun and exciting and okay. Mm -hmm. And then the next... Sorry, go ahead. And then the other really important thing about our classes is that we have a really strong focus on the somatic experiential component. So my goal in all the workshops I lead is to talk as little as possible and get people out there experiencing. Because when you hear it, you get it on one level, but when you do it and you feel it in your body, then you know it. Right. Cool. So when you were talking about creating a safe place, I noticed that you mentioned the word safe or making sure people weren't unsafe, use the word safe or unsafe about 10 times. So Mm. um, obviously that's a very, very important piece. So can you talk a little bit about why you think people need that so much? So people must be walking around feeling unsafe a a lot of the time, or they wouldn't need to come to this place to feel safe. So what is that about? That's a great question. Safety is a felt sense. It's an experience in our body. And we all have wounds on one level or another around our sexuality. And that can be, you know, childhood trauma. That could be some sort of assault. Or it could be you're connecting with someone and they make a derogatory comment towards you that really lands home and that becomes internalized. And for one reason or another, it kind of shut down these parts of ourselves because they haven't been accepted and they haven't been honored. And, you know, just through doing workshop after workshop and seeing the people who show up, it's really become like it's been guiding me into this is the foundation of where we have to start. When you feel safe, your nervous system goes into this expansive state. It doesn't contract. It doesn't get rigid. It opens up, and it creates more flow, more ease of connection. And so we really just kind of like come into safety as the foundation because we realize that when people feel safe, then they are able to open up and be expressive. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. So do you create that safety through just the way you set up your space or also through people um, role modeling, being vulnerable and sharing? How, how do you create a place that feels safe for people to let their nervous systems relax? Yeah, so we start by just naming it and saying we want this to be a safe space. It's part of all of the messaging that we do, so all of the descriptions of the workshops. And so we really set the tone from square one when you start interacting with us that that's what we're bringing here. And what we've seen is that people really respond to that and show up and they want to be met at that level. And then Mm -hmm. at the beginning of each workshop, we share like, hey, this is a safe space. This is what we mean by safe space. It's we're taking care of ourselves. Every activity that we do is just an invitation. You are welcome to say yes or no. And if you just want to witness, if that's where you're at today, that's great. Witnessing is its own Mm. level of participation. Mm -hmm. So we don't force people into, and this is part of, um, what I've run into with other workshops where I just haven't felt as connected, if you get thrown right into touching someone or sharing like deep intimacy with someone without just like having that guidance slowly and gently where you can really check in with yourself along the way and say, is this really what I want? Is this really okay for me right now? Um, then you kind of, in those situations, that's when you start to feel unsafe and where you start to feel like your boundaries may get crossed. So we go super slow. Mm -hmm. Great. And what are one or two tips that you can give to people to create more safety when they're in their alone at home lovemaking time? Mm. So first off, Before you go into lovemaking, take some time to get connected with how you feel right now. And that could be meditating, that could be doing yoga or some sort of energy work like Tai Chi or Qigong. It could be taking a nice long shower by yourself. Whatever it is that you do to kind of drop in and get connected with where you are, That's the first most important thing. You can only connect with someone else to the extent that you're already connected with yourself. And when you're in touch with where you are, what your needs are, how you're feeling right now, then you're going to be more tuned in as you go into lovemaking and better able to express what your needs are. Keep yourself safe. Keep those boundaries secure. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And so, a uh, last question about your ritual tantra. I'm just wondering, like, who comes to your events? What what kind of uh, population do you have there? Great. So we get all sorts of different people who come. We have um, most of the people who come to our events are single, which is kind of surprising. Um, I would have thought that we would get more couples, but that's who we attract. Mm-hmm. We have specific Mm -hmm. events for singles. We have specific events for couples. But generally speaking, we get people who have heard about this Tantra thing and they're kind of curious. We get people who kind of on some level know that there's something more satisfying around sexuality, that there's something deeper there, and they're kind of ready to do that exploration. And we get people who are really, it's blown me away, like event after event, we get people who are ready to show up and look at kind of the um, harder, less shiny, less exciting parts of themselves and of relating. And by being willing to do that, it actually opens Mm -hmm. up so much more space to connect. So mm-hmm. that's the part that's really blown me away about people who come to our events is they're really willing to do the work, um, which is mm-hmm. so beautiful. Great. Now, I've done Tantra workshops and, and Tantra pujas where um, everyone's in a circle and um, 
we alternate from one partner to the next, and then the leader gives us like a little exercise to do with each person. And mm-hmm. so do you have something like that in your workshops? We do. Um, we lead okay. I, have, I have a question. I just want to see if you did do that because I have a specific question about that. So um, I'm, one, I'm wondering, um, since I like to focus on ethical non-monogamy and open relationships, um, I'm wondering if couples, um, if jealousy ever comes up or issues with couples doing exercises with different people in the workshop, um, you know, not staying with their one partner the whole time, if issues around jealousy come up in your workshops from those rituals. It does come up occasionally. And what we've learned through making the mistakes and seeing that is that there's a way to frame these rituals so that we give people choice. Um, When I do these now, when we get to the ones that are really juicy, really yumming, where the invitation is to really start to let your desire flow in connection with another person, we'll say, and if you came with a partner and you'd like to work with your partner, now is the time to find your partner. Mm -hmm. Just doing that has helped so much, both with partners not feeling jealous but also like getting the experience that they really wanted to have. Because sometimes you want to come to a workshop and you want to feel that connection with your partner. So we honor that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And other times couples may want to get energy from other people and feel that excitement from connecting with other people and then bring that back to their partner. Totally. So giving people options letting them be at choice with the level that they participate at. And, you know, Mm -hmm. to that point, I very strongly believe, like, what's been true for me is the more people that I connect with and the more different energies and bodies and individuals that I get to find my unique interaction with, the more that I grow and open as a sexual being. And it's exactly Mm -hmm. what you were saying, the more yum and juice that I have to take back into primary partnership at the times when I've been in one. Mm-hmm. Right. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. So let's move on to the other type of um, work that you do with um, queer men. So I believe you call it sex crafting and it's a community. So what do you do workshops or tell me about that? Yeah. So this is newer. Uh, this has just been started since October. And so many, so first off, I'm bisexual. And so many of the Tantra trainings that I've been to are very heteronormative. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the Shiva and Shakti framework that I was just giving, um, it's like men should be this way and women should be this way and this is how men and women interact. And the result of that is that it becomes totally inaccessible to the queer community. Mm -hmm. So my my dream for a while here has been to actually take this sacred sexuality approach and share it with the queer community in the Bay Area. And I'm partnered with an amazing queer man named Finn. So what we do is very similar work. It's around creating safety, owning our desires, creating a framework where we celebrate everything that arises in the space. We're doing monthly workshops. Um, We did a month-long in-depth training uh, last October, and right now we're working on an online course to take people through. So it's very similar, and both with Ritual and with Sex Crafting Community is a core foundational component of what we're doing. It's not Mm -hmm. one person has all the answers. It's really about seeing each one of us as a teacher and creating those connections to weave together a social fabric around this approach. Mm -hmm. Is that why you named it sex sex crafting because you're all kind of crafting it together? Yeah, that's exactly right. We wanted a name that spoke to more intentionality around sex Mm -hmm. and that shared to uh, that spoke to a shared framework, a shared connection. So, mm-hmm. beautiful. 
And you also offer um, one-on-one sessions, right? Yes, I do. And those are super fun. Um, So I offer Sacred Spot Massage. It's a modality of body work that involves, that can involve hand to genital touch, but really like the core of it is I will hold space for another person to really get to open up into parts of themselves socially and emotionally that they don't normally have access to. And with Mm -hmm. me there kind of with them, guiding them, they get to explore all of these places and see what wants to move or release. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, but um, before we do, um, in case you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at sumatisparks.com. And we're speaking with Matt Sturm, who is a Tantra teacher based in San Francisco, co-founded Ritual Tantra, as well as Sex Crafting. And now we're talking about his a one-on-one coaching work, which includes sacred spot massage. So um, can you talk a little bit about why men and women or people with, uh, you know, female genitals or male genitals um, would want <laughs> to receive sacred spot massage? <laughs> yeah. So first off, thank you for um, your language around that and just broadening the scope. Um, I it's challenging but also important for us in this space to be very impeccable with our language um, Mm -hmm. and honoring all body types. So I appreciate that reminder from you. Mm -hmm. Um, People with female bodies who come and work with me, mostly what I, the the people who I attract and where I feel called to share the gift, uh, there's two, two main components to the work. Um, For women who have been through some sort of sexual trauma or wounds or shame, to have a safe masculine presence to hold space for them, to actually like go in and do the healing work themselves, that's probably the primary type of work that I do. And then the second type of person that comes to me frequently with female body is if you have been in a sexless relationship for a long time or if you have been um, celibate for several years and you're ready to kind of shake things up and bring more vitality and get back into sex as a part of your life, and you want to be really intentional about it. And you don't want to just like jump onto some dating app and find a random person, but really go and explore these parts of yourself um, that haven't seen a lot of action in a while, then mm-hmm. um, it's a beautiful space to come with that intentionality. It sounds kind of like uh, surrogacy work. Is it different from that? Um, it is different but similar so mm-hmm. my the boundaries of sacred spot massage are hand to genital touch no kissing and it's all one way so I'm just holding mm. space I'm not like really bringing all of my energy and engaging deeply from like a heart to from like a sexual act level my understanding mm-hmm. of surrogate work is that Um, the people who I know who do this work in tandem with a therapist and Uh it's full on relationship and sexual intercourse in a very Mm -hmm. um, intentional way. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're just holding the space and you're giving, but they're not giving, they're not trying to like arouse you or get you off or anything. So you're just holding the space as the healer. Yeah. Correct. Got yep. it. Cool. And then why would people with, with male genitals want to receive sacred spot? Um, yeah, so male-bodied people, um, I actually had a lot of resistance to going into this space, um, which has opened up for me over the past year. And my resistance was I didn't want to just do 
pleasure session. I didn't want to just get guys off because um, mm-hmm. that's not really the vibration and the level that I work at. Mm-hmm. People who come to me, uh, male body people who come to me who, again, are working through some sort of trauma or shame, um, you know, queer men coming out of the closet, there's a lot of shame just culturally that gets put onto them. Um, so mm-hmm. That's one part of it. And the other thing that I absolutely love to teach other guys how to do is how to have a full-body, non-ejaculatory orgasm. Mm. It's a mythical beast, and it does truly exist. And mm-hmm. within a couple of sessions, just about any guy can get it. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And actually, the beautiful thing about that is once you start to get that you can have an orgasm as part of your sexual experience, and that it's not the goal, it's not how things end, then it opens up and it makes this your sexual experiences way less directed, way less pressured, and way more expansive. So both partners mm-hmm. get to feel that. Mm-hmm. Cool. And do you work with um, poly people um, or people that are in open relationships? I do. Um, My primary focus is around sexuality and connecting that with the sacred. Um, I am poly myself, so I've been through a lot of the challenges of polyamory and open relating. I love working with couples. And so insofar as there's an intersection between your sexual connections and open relationships, I love to engage in that space. Mhm. Mhm. And so um I saw on your website something about the tantric consort relationship. What does that mean? Mm. So, the tantric consort relationship is um this comes this is more of a traditional like coming from back over hundreds of years through tantra. The tantric consort relationship is a way of approaching relationship which is radically different than what most of us do. Most often, when we are in relationship, we fit into a role. I am a husband or a wife or a partner, and I am supposed to be the provider or the caretaker or be taken care of, and we're here to have fun, and help each other feel comfortable. The tantric consort relationship turns all of that on its head and says that you are going deep together with this person and you're each walking your own path of self-discovery kind of along parallel lines. I'm walking my path and my partner is walking their path. And my role is to deeply see my partner and then to reflect to them what they need in order to grow. Mm -hmm. To put that another way, my job is to trigger my partner. (laughs) (laughs) And so the tantric consort relationship is not based on making each other feel comfortable or the roles that we might fall into, It's really about how am I growing through relationship, how is my partner growing through relationship, and how do we use relationship as sort of the crucible for both of us to blossom more fully into ourselves. Mm. Yeah, relationships are really good at that. So (laughs) I love that you brought that intention Mm -hmm. to it. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, So you said that you were Polly, and I wanted to ask you, I believe you were teaching with a partner and then you transitioned to be just te- close friends and teaching partners and not romantic partners. So can you talk a little bit about how you were able to make that transition and still continue to work together? Mm, thank you for checking in on that. Yeah, so Leslie Grace is my co-founder and co-leader of Ritual Tantra. And we started... We met at a Tantra teacher training 
uh, like two and a half years ago. And we started Ritual Tantra together. And we had this amazing, beautiful relationship over the course of about a year and a half. And then for, not because things didn't work, but because we kind of wanted different things and we're at different places in our lives with what we were ready for, like kind of our life paths started pointing us in different directions. We decoupled, we uncoupled. And we did a lot of work around it. We went to therapy together and really, like, took the time to see, like, how can we make this work? And then we got to a point where, we're like, okay, this is actually not serving us anymore. But the beautiful thing for both of us is, like, just because we separated, it didn't mean that it had to be, like, okay, I hate you. I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. I need you out of my life. It was, like, <laughs> there is still so much beauty in our connection. And we were able to, like, hold both the need for space and the need for separation with the love that continues to be there and with the mutual respect and communication that kind of, like, makes it all possible for us to stay working together. Yeah, that's so rare. Um, So can you give, like, maybe your best tip or if you have more than one um, to people to help them be able to do that um so many people like you said they're like i hate you i don't want to see you again or i just need some space from you or they feel jealous when they see their ex with a new partner so they can't be around them or they want to get revenge and make them jealous there's just so many strategies that people do to manage their hurt around a breakup so what would be your best tip for people on for how to make those kinds of transitions in a loving way? Yeah. Great question. So the number one thing, there's so much I could say about this. The number one thing that I would say is just a little reframe to how we view breakups. It's that all of this process is here for me to learn and grow. So, yes, I'm going to feel jealous. Yes, I'm going to feel resentful and I'm going to feel hurt and alone and sad and grieving. Like, And those things, as uncomfortable as they are, are here for me. They're not happening to mm-hmm. me. They're here for me. And mm-hmm. that takes this responsibility back into ourselves. When I have responsibility for what I'm feeling, then I'm not blaming my partner. I wasn't blaming Leslie for the relationship not working or you know, my jealousy is exactly that. It's mine. And it's not that she shouldn't act in a certain way so that I don't feel jealous. It's like, wow, I'm feeling jealous here. This is something that I get to feel into and look at. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the reframe that I, I offer. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that, that's how I teach jealousy transformation as well. It's, it's, it's a, uh, an inner process. It's not really about making your partner change or do anything different. It's about uh, making sure you're in alignment with your higher self and uh, taking care of yourself with really exquisite self-care and all kinds of things around around our own process. Um, but what I want to talk about is that there's this fine line, um, and I just want to get your take on it. There's this fine line between, yes, it's my process, um, but at the same time, if you're in relationship with someone, you want to own your own jealousy and you want to express to them how you're feeling, but you also don't want to be with someone who's being abusive and just doesn't care at all about that their behavior might be hurting you. So there's kind of this little dance that you do where um, you don't want to be too controlling of your partner, but you also might want to make a request to maybe slow down uh, dating a new person or um, give them some reassurance or like make a clear request or something. So I just wanted to get your take on that fine line between um, all those feelings that you mentioned are our own. And at the same yeah. time in a caring, loving relationship, we don't want our partner to suffer. So where is that gray area? Yeah, you're exactly right. It is a fine line. The And boundaries are so important and they're not 
easy. They're not easy to express, and it takes work to get clarity around where our boundaries are. For me, you know, just speaking personally, my guiding principle is I want, I'm committed to myself to thrive in this relationship, either in relationship or in single or whatever, you know, constellation I've created. Is this set up in the way where I can really shine my light in the fullest, most radiant way possible? Do I get to thrive here? And if the answer is some of these aspects actually dampen my light, then those are the places where I want to be engaging with my partner or with my significant other around how can we structure this so that you can thrive on your path and I can thrive on my path. And there are going to be negotiations, there are going to be compromises, but really staying true with what my needs are first. And I've gotten into this place in relationship in the past where it's been process, process, process because there's like so much to dig into. But like also wanting to commit to having fun and growing and just celebrating in relationship has been like another really big piece for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we sometimes we have to get to that point in relationship where we're thinking this is more work then it is fun. <laughs> when it kind of crosses that line is when you start talking about shifting. <laughs> yep, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for being so transparent about your own life. I appreciate that. Um, can you talk about how open relationships are different for queer men and how your coaching and teaching comes into play there? Yes. So for queer men, in hetero relationships, kind of the norm of what our culture presents is that, generally speaking, the guys are more outgoing and assertive and definitely pushing for sex more, and the women tend to be the ones who put on the brakes and kind of slow things down. That's a gross generalization, but it's an observation culturally, broadly. For queer uh-huh. men, there's nobody putting on the brakes around sex. It's so easy to go to a bar, find a guy, hook up, go back to the bar, find another guy, hook up. There's, mm-hmm. It's all yes, and there's no slowing the thing down. Mm-hmm. What is lacking in that dynamic, what I, what I observe is generally speaking lacking, is intimacy. So it's really easy to hook up. It's really easy to go to that place of pleasure, to get off, to have that experience. But can you really bring your whole self there? And can you really meet that person where they are? So the, the, the shift in perspective around polyamory for queer men is, yes, it's so easy to hook up, can you have hookups and connections that are actually fulfilling and that are actually going to meet that need that you have? And can you bring your desire into your relationship? Because there's lots of guys who are in long-term relationships where they have a guy who they love and then there's a bunch of different guys who they like to um, hook up with, but they don't feel that hookup desire with their partner. And this isn't entirely different from poly for straight couples, but it's just a slightly different. And so in long-term relationship, getting those tools to continue to cultivate lasting desire and that turn-on in a way that stays in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So um, let's talk a little bit more about Tantra. Um Obviously, you feel like this is an important thing for all of us to know. So why do you think that it's important in our culture for us to practice Tantra? Hmm. So what Leslie and I are up to with Ritual Tantra is creating a whole new paradigm for intimate relating. 
And this new paradigm is based on abundance and respect. And when the feminine feels respected and safe, the feminine gets to blossom. And we want to create space for the feminine to really open up into that sort of goddess, abundance, earth energy of providence. And when the feminine can open up and blossom and kind of like welcome in the masculine, then the masculine desire meets the feminine in a way that's truly affirming. That's the shift that we want to create. What we observe out there is a lot of scarcity. Scarcity around, I can't find a partner. Scarcity around um, finding someone who's going to satisfy you. Scarcity around sex. People who don't get enough sex or feel like their sex doesn't last long enough or whatever. The shift that we want to create through Tantra is one back into abundance. And we see that being led by the feminine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do you think sex is so difficult? (laughs) 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 Well, sex is hard because we have all of these expectations around it. It means so much. And when we give it that meaning, then it has to live up to that standards. Sex is also hard because we don't really have a framework to talk about it in a way that is not a big deal. We can't just say like, hey, this is how my sex life is right now and this is what are my what my challenges are and this is how I'd like to be having it. Like those conversations very rarely happen. Why is that? If they were happening more, sex would be a lot easier. We think that mm-hmm. because we're not having these conversations, we think that we're alone in our challenges around sex. Mm-hmm. And what we found again and again is when we give people a space in our workshops, whether you're queer or straight or whatever, to just talk about what are your challenges around sex, it has this amazing normalizing capacity where you realize I'm not alone and there's all sorts of challenges that people are facing, and it's actually okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I was just going to ask you how you know how do we heal the wounds that we're all walking around with through tantra, through sexuality? Um, but I think I know the answer because I think you just answered that. That you know, talking, starting the conversation. Is that what you would say? That's one major component to it. Another is being in sexual space, which is honoring. Mm -hmm. So when you share a sexual space, whether you're having intercourse or sacred spot massage, or if it's all clothing on, you're just sitting across from someone eye-gazing, and you're being honored and seen as a complete person, not as an object of sexual desire or whatever framework we might be carrying with us, and someone is able to witness the pain that you have felt in your life around sex. That's what's healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that a Tantra workshop gives you a chance to be seen for all of you, not just your sex, but not excluding your sex. So, like, if you go get a therapeutic massage, it's not appropriate for them to touch your erogenous zones so there's almost like a way where you're cut off from those areas um so i like the idea that in a tantra workshop your sexual parts are included but also your heart and your soul and your beingness and your shadow and your wounds and everything is welcome there and you can be seen at a deeper level than most places that we go to in our life totally totally and completely And Mm -hmm. I think that the trap of Tantra is that we get preoccupied with pleasure. Pleasure is amazing. We want everybody to feel more pleasure. And that's true, but it's not the end goal. It's not the point. The point is opening up into the fullness of our expression, feeling everything. Mm -hmm. 
pleasure is just mm-hmm. one pathway to get there. Mm-hmm. And the the ultimate goal of Tantra is what? Spiritual awakening, communion, all of the above? What would you say? Yeah, it is a spiritual path. So realization. And, you know, I hold this very broadly. Um, if you want to say enlightenment, if you want to say connection with divinity, if you want to say feeling that infinite connection with all of life and existence, it's just opening up out of the small um, blinders that we put on ourselves around our job and our work and our relationships and remembering how tiny we are and at the same time how vastly interconnected we all are like that. That is where Tantra takes me. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you're sharing so vulnerably with everyone in a group, you start to feel like we all are the same. We all have these um, masks that we wear, but underneath it, we're all feeling very, uh, having very similar experiences. Yeah, Absolutely. And to have a place where where you can go to have that kind of safety to take off your mask and be yourself is so important because there's very few places like that in our world where where you can be that way. So thank you for providing a milieu for people to do that. I can see how mm-hmm. important it is. It's such an honor. Thank yeah. you for stating it in those terms and recognizing. Yeah, it's just like mm-hmm. I feel so honored to get to share this with people. Yeah, it's beautiful work. So thank you for being on the show, Matt. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I feel like the time just flew by. And um, I want to give you some time to tell our listeners how they can reach you. And I believe you also have a gift for our listeners. So take it away. Awesome. Yeah, the time totally flew by. Um, Thank you. I love talking about this. So um, if you've been listening and this is Connecting, one is Ritual Tantra. You can find us at RitualTantra.com or we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And our offering there is we have a free gift for you if you want to sign up and join us, an everyday Tantra startup kit. Part of the thing about Tantra is we want to make it simple and we want to make it something that you can just weave into your everyday life. So the Everyday Tantra Startup Kit is a really simple, easy way that you can start to tap into some of this non-goal-oriented way of connecting and have it be fun. The other group that I'm working with, Sex Crafting, is specifically for queer men. Sexcrafting.com is our website. Um, We have a Facebook group if you type in Sex Crafting. And for this, For sex crafting, we created this form called a pre-sex worksheet. And if you're going to hook up, what we want you to do is take like just one minute, go to this page, and fill out our form. And what it will do is help you connect with how you're feeling right now and what intentions you have for this hookup so that when you do have that hookup, it will be more satisfying for you. Mm. So help us test this out. Um, bringing more intention into how we go into hookup. Beautiful. Yep. And how can people reach you for one-on-one sessions? Oh, thank you for reminding me. So um, my personal website is awakeningbliss.net, awakeningbliss.net. And you can sign up for my one-on-one sessions there and get in touch with me. Great. Okay. Well, thank you again for being on the show. It was a delight getting to know you better, and I wish you all the best with your workshops. Thank you so much, Timothy. I really appreciate you inviting me on here, and it was great to get to have this conversation with you. Fabulous. Okay, bye-bye. So next week we'll be speaking with Celeste and Danielle, the fabulous creators of uh, the Somatica School of uh, Sexological Bodywork. And we'll be talking to them about their body of work, uh, very well-known um, sexuality coaches and trainers of other coaches. So please join us next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time for Leading Edge Love Radio. 
thank you for being with us. This has been Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at SumatiSparks.com. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.